We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Victory Formation Monday for Jeff Erickson and Nick Whalen here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Plus, tons of quarterback carnage to review and a busy, busy week eight. All coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Circa and Splash Sports. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. It is Victory Monday. Good day. Good day, indeed, for our respective teams. Uh, the Jaguars go into Pittsburgh and win. The Bengals go into San Francisco and win. Uh, and as long as you didn't have Kirk Cousins, you probably did all right this week in terms of escaping major, major stuff going on. But, man, a lot of quarterbacks went down. Nick, how was your week eight? It was good, man. It was good. Some ups and downs, as usual. I uh, had, a, had a big afternoon in, in terms of my DFS interest. You know, prize picks went pretty well. We saw a lot of points on the board, right? Um, you know, we're not going to mention the atrocities that were committed uh, at MetLife. But outside of that game, you know, we, we had a bunch of teams in the 30s. You know, the, the New Orleans Saints come out of nowhere. They put up 38. Uh, so it was a fun day. You know, if you're playing fantasy, you saw some 200-point weeks uh, in some formats. You know, fun day in, in DFS. You know, I had a... Had a Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, Travis Etienne, A.J. Brown lineup going. Uh, on, unfortunately, this was in a, a private contest with my friend, so there, there was not uh, mm. not big money, uh, you know, exchanging hands there. But uh, it was a fun week. You know, we, we we do the same contest each week. Last week's somebody won it with like you know 115 points because there was just so little scoring. It's just a brutal week for that. Um, but but the NFL kind of feels like it broke out in a big way. This was a a really fun week overall, yes, uh, especially if your teams uh, like ours did came out on the right side of things, but really outside of that, that Cowboys Rams game, you know, it felt like everything was competitive, you know, for the most part through four quarters, we, we didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, snoozer type of games and, uh, you know, looking forward to, to finishing out the week tonight uh, with that Raiders Lions clash uh, in Detroit. Yeah, indeed. And that might not be a competitive game. We'll see uh, if, our, if our staff is right about that, we are all on the lions. Two of us, two out of the five made it best bet. So we'll see. Dangerous uh, territory. Yeah, we'll see, though, if Amon Ross St. Brown can play. He popped up on the injury report with an illness. And that's one thing I want to mention right off the top before we jump into uh, reviewing each game. You notice how many teams reported illnesses over, like on Saturday uh, or, or even this uh, Sunday morning with Patrick Mahomes. St. Brown popped up yesterday for tonight's game. Hey, go figure. It's the Bijan effect there. Now teams have to disclose illnesses. 
and they're doing a better job. I think there was definitely a memo going around teams. Mm -hmm. You need to disclose everything. Yeah, no question. Uh, yeah, we're also getting to that point in the year, though, too, right? Where, you know, you got to get your flu shot if you're an NFL player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to start to see that pop up a little bit more. But, yeah, you're right. I think the NFL saw what happened. Um, you know, and, you know, we, we kind of joke about, you know, the NFL's interest in, in gambling and fantasy and things like that. But, you know, it, it's a bad look for the league. You know, you, you don't want to go on Twitter on a Sunday and see, you know, your entire timeline, you know, in, in an outrage over Bijan Robinson's status. So I, I think you're totally right. I, I would assume yeah. there was some sort of, internal memo that made its round uh, through the league last year. And uh, unsurprisingly, we, we saw some more transparent injury reporting, but uh, yeah, luckily we, we dodged any, any true Bijan situations in week eight. Indeed. All right. Jacksonville goes into Pittsburgh, takes care of business. The, uh, you know, it was a sloppy game, you know, off the, off the, just the go. I mean, very first play from scrimmage, Deontay Johnson drops a pretty catchable ball from Kenny Pickett. That, like same another drop that was a little bit tougher on the same drive. The Jaguars first drive, ETN's making a cut and slips. Um, and you can see is that gonna be that sort of sloppy day? Yeah, it, it was. And you know, it's kind of a, a constant drizzle, uh, like a fog hanging over uh whatever the the Steelers Stadium is called these days. Accresher Stadium, I believe. Uh, that yeah. will always be Heinz to me, but uh, yet again, it was a, a pretty sloppy day for the Jaguars offense. And that's, you know, despite them winning now five in a row heading into their bye week, uh, there's a great video on the Jags uh, official Twitter of, you know, the post-game locker room and, you know, the entire team is just chanting bye week, bye week. So players yeah. love this, right? And I think especially for the Jags who opted not to take their bye after the double London games, you know, to, to win five in a row heading into the bye. They do have San Francisco coming out of it. Uh, they play Cincinnati a couple weeks later. So it's not like, you know, that they're, they're embarking on this easy path uh, after the bye, but uh, to, to go in with five straight wins, you know, to sit at six and two, you know, tied for the best record in the AFC, you know, with the with Texans losing yesterday, that puts a little more distance between the Jags and, and the rest of that division as well. Um, but you know, sloppy play for Jacksonville. They got away uh, with just one of the worst interceptions that you'll see all year. Uh, yeah. Trevor Lawrence in the red zone. I, I, I'm choosing to believe that he was trying to throw that ball away and you know, maybe due to moisture or something, it slipped, but it sure didn't look like it. I mean, that was into like quadruple coverage, just begging to be intercepted. And it was uh, that they had another fumble, Evan Ingram inside the red zone. Oh. Uh, and then our, our guy, Tank Bixby, you know, Travis Etienne goes out with an ankle injury. Thankfully, he ended up coming back into the game. You know, Tank Bixby, you know, basically gets a series to himself. What does he do? This was the first possession coming out of halftime. You know, they're once again in Pittsburgh territory. They're knocking on the door of field goal range. And Tank Bigsby, you know, gets stripped at the end of a play uh, for a third Jacksonville turnover. Now, on the other side, the Jags did force two turnovers. They had two picks. One of them was final play of the game, you know, just kind of, you know, hucking it down there by Mitchell Trubisky. So that one doesn't really count. Uh, but they also dropped two interceptions, including one early on. Right. Pick six. Yeah, that was one where the Pittsburgh re uh, receiver made a, a, a slip coming out of the cut. And then uh, the inner, then the, the, it just slipped out of the defender's hands. He might have been losing a little bit of traction too, trying to get started on that pick six, focusing on that, and that's why he dropped it. But uh, yeah, you could tell the elements were a big issue there in that game. Um, mm -hmm. That interception, God, uh, uh, I tweeted at the beginning of that drive. The Jags were out, had outgained the Steelers one hundred and eight to nine, and then they gained about fifty more yards after that. And I said they're like the Steelers are lucky to be down six nothing. Then they throw the pick. Even more lucky to be down. It's just six nothing. It was six three, mm -hmm. then nine three, then nine six. But then, oop, we're gonna take that field goal off the board because of a penalty. I, it felt like every penalty took longer to like litigate too. That game was just moving yeah. so slowly. 
Yeah, it really was. It was. And we, we saw Deontay Johnson come out after the game and, you know, he's going to be getting a fine uh, from the NFL for what he said, you know, basically saying that the, I think he said word for word, the refs wanted the Jaguars to win the game. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. The NFL is, is once again, rigged in favor of the Jacksonville Jaguars winning all against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here we go again with that narrative. Uh, I, I didn't really think that was the case. I mean, the, the penalty on the field goal was strange. Um, you know, you see some screenshots after of, you know, they, I think they called like the right guard for being lined up past the ball. That, that was not the case. Just a bizarre call. That was incorrect, but I don't really think it swung the game by any means. Pittsburgh basically put together one good drive on the entire day. And it didn't really seem to matter once Kenny Pickett went out of this game, which we should mention. And it does look like he's dodged a serious injury, which is good news for Pittsburgh. But you know, Trubisky came in and you know made some plays with his legs, you know, ran for a few first downs. I think that's where he primarily hurt Jacksonville. You know, the interception was thrown into triple coverage, just a, a bad ball uh, on a long throw downfield. But uh, you know, Pittsburgh puts together, you know, middle of the third quarter, uh, an eight play touchdown drive where they're ripping off a couple of big plays, really nice catch and run by George Pickens, you know, kind of hurtling through two defenders to get into the end zone. But, but other than that, you just, you never really felt like Pittsburgh was threatening. Right. Exactly. Well, and then when Pickett got hurt, you're just like, uh, oh, this is, yeah. this is going to be even worse. And it was, um, yeah, I was, Johnson is great about going ahead and getting the, you know, the, the, the targets, intermediate targets, never scores. You know, it's, it's running the playbook there. It's frustrating. Yeah, I, uh, I I think Deontay Johnson, you know, certainly makes an impact for this team. He actually got hurt too in this game, and um, yep. you know, missed missed some time in the second half. Micah Fitzpatrick went out as well. Uh, that's a big one. He's already been ruled out for for Week Nine for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They play in a short week. They got Tennessee on Thursday night. That one did not look good. I'm anxiously awaiting an update there. I mean, he went. He went down in a heap and was grabbing at that hamstring immediately. You know, you hope that it's only a pull or something like that. But, you know, the, the way Micah Fitzpatrick is one of the toughest players in the league uh, was favoring that hamstring. Uh, you you got to hope for the best there. Not really much of a drop off going from Pickett to Trubisky, as you'd expect. Um, you know, they were both about the same in, in terms of like yards per attempt, things like that. Uh, you know, I think Trubisky at this point is just slightly more mobile. Uh, but, but if he has to start a game or two in the interim here, I, I don't really view that as much of a drop-off uh, or really a progression, just kind of a, a net neutral for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A couple other notes here, Travis Etienne, not a, not a fantastic day, kind of mirrored how he's been the last few weeks, right? I think mm -hmm. they wanted to mix in Tank Bigsby a little bit more. Once Bigsby fumbled, that was the end of that. They, they weren't having that anymore. Uh, so Etienne ends up carrying 24 times for 79 yards, despite rolling his ankle uh, early in the second half, 3.3 yards per carry. It, it hasn't been pretty for Etienne. Uh, you know, another big fantasy day, thanks in, in large part to a long touchdown, Really nicely designed play with the safety kind of bit a little bit early. Lawrence just lobs a perfect throw play. down the sideline. I mean, ETN barely hung on. I mean, this is what kind of at the peak of the elements in this game too. Uh, but that's really what broke this game open. And, and you felt like Jacksonville uh, had essentially sealed it at that point with the, the lack of uh, really anything getting going for this Pittsburgh team. No ground game whatsoever for the Steelers. You know, Jalen Warren, Najee Harris, and neither of those guys were remotely effective. No. Well, and again, uh, when you've got Trubisky at quarterback, you can kind of stack the box, say, all right, you're not going to beat us with the running game. Yep. We'll, we don't fear this quarterback. And for the most part, that was an accurate read. So uh worked out pretty well. Well-timed buy for the Jaguars. They can rest up. They needed that. I'll say happy to see Calvin Ridley get involved again. Yep. Um, yeah, it, yeah, I think they made a point of that after last week. Uh, yep. yeah, cr slightly disappointing game for Christian Kirk. But again, big write-off because of the elements. Um, yeah. I, I think Kirk, that Kirk had a big drop, as did Ridley. Uh, yeah. That was just something that plagued a lot of the receivers in this game. But 11 targets for Calvin Ridley played by far the most snaps of any Jags receiver. We saw mm -hmm. 
thankfully a lot less Jamal Agnew, uh, especially in a rain game. He only played 20 snaps. That was good. So it was, it was kind of a Ridley Kirk Ingram game uh, for this Jags offense outside of Travis Etienne. Last thing I'll say on Jacksonville, going into the bye here, Jeff, Josh Allen, by the way, is up to nine sacks. He's he's having a fantastic, yes. you know, all pro caliber season thus far. Uh, someone that they may trade for, Daniel Hunter, actually leads the league at 10. So we'll keep an eye on that. And Jacksonville now is up to fourth in defensive EPA on the season. In, in no world did I ever think the Jags would be a top five defense halfway through the year. You know, Trent Valky actually deserves maybe credit. I hate to say it. I think yeah. he does. Yeah. Who knew? Just. Maybe he learned on the job. Uh, before we go, Bengals uh, is, there, is our next game, but there we have a little bit of news. Leonard Fournette has signed with the Bills. He's on their practice right. squad officially, but it's kind of like Daryl Henderson signing the practice squad. They're gonna they're gonna elevate him. We know big game against the Bengals this week too. So, you know, how high does he go in your uh, fab fab priority this week? Well, it's it's strange to me because, you know, it's not like James Cook got hurt this past week or Latavius Murray or you know even Ty Johnson, who is in the mix a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that Fournette's going to step in and have a huge impact right away. I, I think this could end up being more of a Cam Akers in Minnesota situation where mm -hmm. you, know, you, you buy in lightly. If you, if you can get him for cheap, maybe you hold him in a spot if you have it. Uh, but I, I would be pretty surprised if he steps in and is carrying the ball more than three or four times in, in his first game with the Bills. I'd agree with that. Um, it's just running. I did sneaky ads with Allen this morning, uh, which you can just search by searching Rotowire on YouTube here. You can find it. Uh, but we uh, struggle to find any running back worth talking about this week on the waiver wire. It, it's barren out there, at least in any sort of leagues with any sort of depth. Maybe in a thinner league, you can find something there. But uh, it's tough. It, it's tough out there on the streets. So just a heads up on that. Um, okay. You got victory Monday. I get victory Monday as well. Ah, I, I can't be happier than how the Bengals Niners game went yesterday. Uh, Nick, that, that was the Bengals have morphed back into you. They have to play us mode instead of whining about the schedule, about worrying about what's happened so far. It's like they have to play us and the Bengals just from the opening snap, just were brilliant yesterday. Joe Burrow was amazing yesterday. Uh, the Bengals defense came up with some big stops late. Um, I, I couldn't be happier with how that game went. Yeah, you know, John and I, we, we took the Bengals plus three and a half in the circuit mm -hmm. contest, thinking that this could be a three-point game either way. I did not necessarily see Cincinnati winning this by two touchdowns on the road. And, you know, this is now three straight weeks where once the wheels seem like they, they start to come off for Brock Purdy, I mean, they, they come off in a big way, right? I mean, when, when, he, when he gets knocked off of his spot, um, you know, kind of starts to, to panic, starts to, to make some riskier throws. And we saw back-to-back -back interceptions for Purdy in the second half. You know, one of those immediately turned into a touchdown for the Bengals to put them up two scores. Uh, you know, 49ers closest to a touchdown gap uh, with about, what, eight minutes left, I think it was, in the fourth quarter. And, and this, to me, was, was emblematic of, okay, Cincinnati is back. A 10-play, 78-yard touchdown drive, you know, eight up over five minutes o'clock. Even if that ends in a field goal, you know, you're, you're kicking it back to San Francisco. They got under three minutes to try to score twice. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was just a, a, a one of the one of several drives in this game where Cincinnati was able to do whatever it wanted. I mean, this this was as good as Joe Burrow has looked this season by a mile. 28 of yeah. 32 for 283 and three touchdowns. Joe Mixon looked great. He goes 16 for 87 in a score. Jamar Chase got his. T. Higgins, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a massive day, but by 2023 T. Higgins standards, I thought he looked really good. I'd agree. Uh, they call the Bengals called, uh, well, or uh, I think Burrow audibled into a design quarterback draw on third and nine 
I mean, that that's your sign right there that the calf yep. is just fine. Uh, there was a play in the fir very first drive. He, he broke a sack and connected with Higgins. Maybe it's the second drive, actually. Uh, we broke like two sack attempts, you know, and scrambled and then connected like, OK, he's he's fine. He's great now. Mixon had more running room than I've seen all year. Yep. Uh, and that's in part because they could take snaps under center. Uh, something that Tony Romo was pointing out frequently uh, on the broadcast. But, hey, I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, everything kind of clicked together. Defensively, the two they're, they're two studs at linebacker. Pratt and uh, Wilson both, both made big plays. Back-to-back uh, -back throws, uh, Purdy got intercepted. Yep. Uh, had another interception where, you know, they, they got turned over late because of a roughing call, uh, on like a low hit and no problem. Sack fumble the next play. Um, yep. that, that was lovely. Uh, yeah. The only, only name was like Trey Henderson. Hendrickson got a little banged up, but he, even yep. he came back in. He's the one that had the sack fumble at the end. Um, they, uh, Irv Smith coughed up a fumble on the five yard line. That was bad. Um, they could have put the game away early in this yep. one here. They could have been up two touchdowns at half, uh, but for that, or two scores at, at half, but for that. But uh, I really can't complain. Uh, I just, I, I feel confident about this team. They were, you know, we had Charlie Goldsmith on the Sirius XM show, and we were talking about how the Bengals seem to get better. The coaches make adjustments as the season progresses. Man, it, it showed up uh, yesterday, that's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, could have been. 24 to 10, really, at, at mm -hmm. half. You know, McPherson had missed a field goal on the previous drive, and then that fumble uh, deep in 49ers territory. We saw a lot of that uh, this week, by the way. The Eagles, I think, had two fumbles inside the five-yard line. The Jags had a couple oh. red zone fumbles. I mean, it was uh, it was frustrating, but but obviously Cincinnati able to come out on the right side. And you know, one more note on, on T. Higgins, only played 42 out of 63 snaps. So I, I don't know that he was on an official pitch count, but something to monitor. You know, I, I think that yeah. as they still you know somewhat ease him back into action, I would imagine – you know, he's, he's playing closer to 90% of snaps uh, by, by week nine. We saw Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase play 54 and 56, respectively. So, uh, you know, for T. Higgins to be somewhat limited and still have the day he had, I think that's really encouraging. And then San Francisco, I mean, despite only scoring 17 points, despite the turnovers, uh, you know, they, they, they had the three turnovers by Purdy, two picks and a fumble. You know, McCaffrey got his. He extended the touchdown streak. George Kittle had a huge day, nine for 149. Some of that came in garbage time. Uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk, five for 109. And McCaffrey six for sixty-four through the air. So you know, really disappointing if you're San Francisco to be five and zero a few weeks ago. Now you're five and three. Uh, but but fantasy wise, you know, still giving you what you expect. Yep. Um. <laughs> yeah. Ab absolutely. Uh. Ayuk had one bad drop, kind of lost yeah. in the sun. Um. But I mean, we're picking nits. I mean, Purdy. Purdy was they they were free freeing him up on some scrambles. Uh. He 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 hurt the Bengals with his legs early on. Seemed like though. He struggled late with making decisions. And I saw, I forget where I saw the commentary. I think it might have been Sports Center is commenting like the track record of quarterbacks coming in their first game back from a concussion is pretty poor, actually. Um, so they're on their bye this week, and as yeah. you alluded to, facing off against your Jaguars after they come back. But they have some questions to answer, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They they didn't get many stops at all. No, no, they didn't. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was easy for Cincinnati, but it was about as easy as a team has moved the ball on San mm -hmm. Francisco this season. And you know, I think to me, more of the credit goes to Joe Burrow and just kind of reminding everybody, yeah, I'm still a top three to five quarterback at worst in the NFL. I, I think people were a little too too quick to jump off of that. Um, you know, when, when Burrow's right, he's, he's that guy and he's going to will you to wins in these type of games. Uh, but yeah, you're right. De the defense is really what, what uh, let San Francisco down here. I mean, 
the 49ers averaged 8.2 yards per play. I mean, they put up 460 yards of, of total offense. I mean, yeah. with, with those type of numbers, you're not expecting to get 17 points. So I, I think the offense, you know, the, the turnovers have, have really killed them. I mean, I think that's seven interceptions now for Purdy over the last like three or four weeks. I mean, things have, have kind of unraveled in, in that respect, but they're still moving the ball. Like they're not, I, I don't think they're maybe in as much trouble as we think, but you know, suddenly that, that gap in the, in the NFC West isn't really there anymore. I mean, it's, it's San Francisco versus Seattle um, is something we're going to have to monitor. And man, Jags Niners coming out of the bye. Who, who would have thought that would be, that would be game of the week territory. Yeah, exactly. By the way, check out the Bengals schedule coming up. They just beat the, beat the Niners coming out of the bye. They get the bills next week. They get the Texans. Then they get a primetime game against the Ravens in Baltimore. Yep. And then a game against your Jaguars, as you alluded to there. It's a lot of good schedule. A lot of good teams left on that schedule, as always. Um, so, but hey, that's that's playing the first place schedule. Uh, Bengals 4-0 against the NFC West. Now they have to beat somebody outside the NFC West. Uh, so we'll work on that uh, next there. But uh, if, hey, if we we're trying to win that division, we'd be, we'd be in great shape. But uh, it's all right. Um, let's move on. Vikings-Packers. A Pyrrhic victory for the Vikings. Yes um they, they got the win but they lose kirk cousins uh confirmed torn achilles tendon brutal brutal injury here for a team that was just you know had turned around their season they lose lose him on a non-contact injury like that and they're just they're they're in a bad way right now you know at, at least the they didn't trade him to the jets and then this happened in a jets uniform i mean that would have been just uh you know e even worse uh, had that happened but yeah i mean two two prominent quarterbacks going down with, you know, basically the exact same injury yeah. uh, within an eight week span. Like I was trying to think back, like I, I, you just don't really see that many torn Achilles, you know, in the NFL, especially like that to me, that's like a defensive lineman injury. That's a defensive back injury. Like right. Quarterbacks don't really you know, to have two of those like this. And, you know, with, with Rogers and cousins is strange, uh, but you knew it right away. You know, we got that, that classic kind of zoom in where you could see, you know, the Achilles tendon basically snap and reverberate in the calf, like just yeah. gross stuff. Uh, you know, so, someone like me who like still plays pickup basketball every now and then that's, you see something like that and you're just like, I, I, I might just stick to golf. Like, is it really worth it at this point? Like, <laughs> I, I just, I don't want that to happen to me. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Minnesota is now in a really strange spot where, you know, you're obviously cousins is done for the year. You know, any hopes of trading him is gone. And I don't think that was going to happen anyway. And your backup is Jaron Hall. Uh, who you know, we, we got a very small sample of at the end of the game, not really enough to, to have any takeaways. Fifth round pick out of BYU. Uh, I would imagine, I mean, you're sitting at four and four if you're Minnesota. And I, I think when you when you look at the projected playoff standings in the NFC, like you're, you're far from out of this, right? I, I think, you know, you feel pretty good about Philly, uh, the winner of the, the NFC West, whether that's San Francisco or Seattle. And then one of those teams is probably a wild card. You know, Detroit in the North, whoever comes out of the disaster that is the NFC South, and then you got Dallas. I mean, that's six teams. After that, you know, Minnesota, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, the Rams, the Commanders, like all those teams are competing for that seven spot. So, you know, if you're Minnesota, I think you have to be realistic about what your goals are. But I do think if you if you're willing to bring in some sort of veteran presence, whether that's a free agent off the street or, you know, making a trade for, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett before the deadline uh, tomorrow. I, I think you can at least talk yourself into having a path to you know winning nine games and maybe getting that seven seed. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. Uh, I I don't see Tannehill as the target. I, I just don't. Um, first of all, there's the high ankle sprain. And secondly, I just don't think he's all that great. I'd rather trade for Andy Dalton. I'd rather trade, for, you know, I think I'd rather yeah. tra trade for Winston. We'll see. Um, but if Vikings all of a sudden become a linchpin team uh, at tomorrow, by tomorrow's trade deadline there, 
uh, to see what how they react to this if they do. They have to bring in another quarterback of some sort of stripe, right? Uh, even just to have a have another. Uh, but I mean, who is Jaron Hall? What do we know about him besides, you know, being a fifth round pick out of BYU? Yeah, I, I I'll be honest. I don't know a ton about him. Uh, we'll have to to query our our pal John McKechnie on on the XM show tonight. I'm sure he'll have some thoughts. But yeah, really, it comes down to Minnesota. It's like. Did you draft this guy just to kind of provide some depth, you know, on a cheap contract for a couple of years, or is this somebody that you really feel uh, that you liked in the draft process and it could be somebody that you want to experiment with? Because you know, chances are Kirk Cousins wasn't coming back next year anyway. So, right, you know, if they if they like Jaron Hall internally, if they think there's something there, maybe you give him a shot. Uh, you just got to see what he looks like for a week or two and, and give him a chance. But yeah, either way, they got to bring in somebody, and, and chances are that's a veteran who has a higher floor than Jaron Hall. Um, outside of the injury. I mean, Green Bay is, is just still who they thought we were or who we thought they were. I can't even say that right. Yeah. Uh, just an ugly, ugly game. Jordan Love looked bad again. Um, you know, the play calling wasn't there. They had, I mean, I think they had six or seven drops on the day as well. So it wasn't getting a whole lot of help. The running game was completely absent. Aaron Jones carried only seven times. And for, you know, you see 24 to 10, two score game. I mean, Green Bay had chance after chance after chance at the end of this game. They, they went out on downs three times. Uh, with an yeah. opportunity to cut this to a one-score game and uh, you know kind of make things interesting, you know Hall had a fumble right after he came in uh, deep in his own territory. Green Bay took over first and ten at the Minnesota 15 and went for it out. Didn't you know, ended up losing yards. Uh, they, Jordan Love was was sacked in there at some point, and you know I mean th- this actually could have been a game that came down to the wire if Green Bay had just any competency offensively. But um, this is now you know three just horrific performances in a row. Really four if you want to count the Detroit game, uh, Detroit, Las Vegas last week against Denver and, and now this one at home. And I absolutely want to count that Detroit game. Yeah, I think we should. Most of the production came when the game, the result was well in hand. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, offensive line's a mess. There's no doubt about that, but there's a love is a mess. Dylan is not, is just a guy. Um, I'm not even convinced Watson and dubs are anything special. I I'm still pro Dobbs. I, I think he's being kind of dragged down by the, the general, malaise that is this offense i Fair. think both he and jaden reed those guys to be past the eye test i think jaden reed uh for as bad as the circumstances have been has actually looked pretty good he went four for 83 yesterday getting a watson i too. watson yeah. i might be out on man i mean they threw they, they threw like a, a, a kind of goal line fade to him and he's just he's just not that guy like i know physically he profiles as a jump ball type of player but there's that's just not who he's been like he's not mm-hmm. he's really never won any jump balls in his career he's a straight line burner you know kind of a souped up mvs type of player at least from what we've seen so far and he hasn't really shown that he could be that possession, you know, throw it up there, I'll win that one-on-one battle type of player. So it's there's a lot of things going on with Green Bay right now. I mean, you look back, their last couple of draft classes just really have not developed, you know, guys who are in their second, third, fourth year. You, know, you think of someone like Eric Stokes, the defensive back, who looked like a huge hit two years ago. And now he's, he's injured again. He's on IR. Like, he's barely played. Some of the offensive linemen who had shined, you know, at times last season, earlier this season, they've completely fallen off a cliff. Love was sacked four times. You know, a couple of those being big, you know, 11 yard loss type of sacks. Uh, nothing's going right for Green Bay right now. And I think I, pretty clearly to me, Jeff, I mean, they're, they're a bottom three team in the NFL. Bottom three, huh? There, I think there's so. a lot it, of bottom. Hard. There's like 10 bottom three teams, but well, that's the thing. It's hard to even parse what, <laughs> who those teams are, but I, I mean, I, I don't, can we, we can't put them above teams like Denver and, and the Raiders, right? I mean, they've lost to both of those teams. That's um, a fair point. You know, it's like, I, I think it's, it's some combination of, you know, Green Bay, Chicago, who they did blow out the giants, the Panthers. Panthers and the Cardinals, I guess. Um, yeah. Put those teams in whatever order you want. Yeah, there, 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 there might be some other contenders emerging as we go as we advance through the season. But you're right. Um, 
they're they're a bad team right now. There's no getting around it. I think the Pats are in that category too, by the way. Yeah. But, I, I think the Packers are gonna lose their next five games, by the way. They got the Rams, Steelers, Chargers, Lions, and Chiefs. I mean, they're they're at the point where you you just like you can't trust them to beat literally anybody, right? Like I, I right, think they could right. they could welcome the New York Giants to Lambeau Field and you'd be like, all right, that's probably what Packers minus two and a half total toss up. Yeah, agreed. I uh, agreed on that. Hey, before we move on to uh, Dolphins Pats, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Dolphins, Pats. Uh, Pat's got the lead first drive, get a touchdown. Kendrick Bourne scores. Unfortunately, that was about the highlight for the game for the Pats. And unfortunately it might be the last we hear of Bourne for a while. Uh, Torn yeah. ACL. He's out for the year. Uh, I think Parker got hurt again. Uh, this one Juju actually scored, which, Hey, good for him. But, um, I'd say one takeaway is Demario Douglas is someone I want to go add this week. I think so. Uh, you know, you, you never feel great about rushing out to the waiver wire to grab any New England Patriots, uh, especially Correct. anybody in that receiving core. But, you know, when, when you're down Kendrick Bourne and, and you might be down Devontae Parker, then it becomes a process of elimination. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, this was this was pretty ugly. I, I think it's the, the Patriots kind of suckered some people back in, you know, with that win last week. But I think at, at, at their core, this is a pretty bad team. I think you're right to include them in that discussion in terms of the bottom five. Uh, you know, Mac Jones, I thought regressed, made some good throws. I mean, this was this was actually a more interesting game late into the second half than the final score would imply. New England was hanging around a bit, uh, you know, forced a couple turnovers from Miami as well uh, early in this game. And it was a, a punt and a turnover on the first two possessions for Miami. But this is the reason that you're comfortable taking the Dolphins at, you know, eight and a half, nine and a half. You know, even we've seen them up to 12, 13 in some games. It's like it doesn't it doesn't really seem to matter what happens early in games because, once they get rolling and they get in a groove, I mean, they could rip off, you know, two, three, four touchdown drives in a row. And, and this was a game where I felt like Miami, Miami played like a B game overall, and, and they cruised to a 14-point win. Yep, yep. I thought I was going to get a cover out of this one. I did not get a cover out of this one here. Um, shame on me. couple of those, two two games, that one in the Philly-Washington game, I felt like I was on the right side most of the game and ended up, you know, not being, being well. There. I, I we we had Philly in circa, so that one went our way. We also had the Baltimore Ravens, Jeff, and we will we will unpack that one late. But oh I yeah, think that's going to go down as our worst beat of the year. Yeah, it's it's high on the list for oh. sure, for sure, for oh, sure about man. that one. Nelson there. Aguilar. Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's get this here. Um, oh, on that on that uh, on that onside kick. That's yes. right. Oh, brutal. Um, running game for Miami didn't get on track very well, but no, 
it's a familiar opponent. It's a Belichick coached opponent at that. I'm not really all that upset about this. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm concerned that mo- we, you know, most are, you know, he came into this week a little banged up too. Anyhow, I'm concerned that we're not going to get a whole lot of him the rest of the way. We did get that bailout touchdown late. If you have him in a fantasy league, mm-hmm. cost me a cover, but the trade-off is I had him in NFFC. So, eh, okay, I'll take that trade-off there. It's fair enough. I'll sacrifice one in staff picks mm-hmm. for the good of my fantasy teams. Um, type of guy I am. I'm a nice guy that yeah, way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, anytime. appreciate that. Anytime. Uh, yeah, New England did a better job against the run than the first meeting. They allowed almost five yards per carry uh, when they met earlier in the year, and that was, you know, at the time, a pretty good slowdown job by New England. But uh, really, a, a decent job defensively against the run. But you know, let Tua get loose. You know, big day for Jalen Waddle. Finally, good mm-hmm. to see him have a breakout. Seven for one twenty-one and a long touchdown at the end of the game. Tyreek Hill just continuing to do what Tyreek Hill does. I, I, I really hope that we, we we get some Tyreek Hill, maybe even AJ Brown. MVP buzz because I, I don't really feel like there's a quarterback who's running away with it right now. And two is actually uh, you know, pulled ahead of Patrick Mahomes in terms of the lowest odds uh, this season. I, I, I still think this could be a year where Mahomes just kind of backdoors it with a couple of good games over the second half. But uh, PFF had a pretty good note on Tyreek Hill. Uh, so he gained over 100 yards and a score yesterday. So he is now the fourth player in NFL history with over a thousand yards over the first eight weeks of the season. He joins three of the all time greats, Don Hudson. Charlie Hennigan of the AFL and wow. Crazy Legs Hirsch, uh, who did it in 1951. So if you're if you're ever being mentioned with like somebody named Crazy Legs, that means you're doing something that has not been done in a long time. <laughs> Absolutely, you got to have a good nickname to pull that off. Cheetah, Crazy Legs, yes. you name it. There, so <laughs> that is uh, funny. Yeah, 70 years from now, we'll be saying he, he did the same. You know, nobody's done this since the, the Cheetah in 2023. Yeah. By the way, uh, we're talking about Miami's running woes. Keep in mind they're they're down Taron Armstead at left tackle. Isaiah wins on IR as well. Uh, so they're hurting. They're hurting yeah. on their offensive line. So that has a big part of that there too. So uh, we'll, we'll give them a little bit of a pass with that. Sure. Uh, should we, sh- let's, you want to go into the gutter, talk a little Jets, Giants, get this over with? <sighs> yeah. I mean, we might as well. We, we had a good comment uh, in the chat here from, from Scott Gilroy. Yes. Uh, as you can see on the screen, the, the military should force prisoners to watch that giant jet game on a loop. They will give up everything. You're not wrong, Scott. Uh, this, if you love if you love football in general, like this is a game that I actually enjoyed watching. You know, it, it's a it's you know one of those that you get one or two of these a year where there's like 20 plus punts and it's just super ugly. Uh, if you're a Jet or a Giants fan, this was a horrible game to watch. You know, you, you just feel terrible about both sides. But as as an objective observer, you know, it was fun to 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 kind of flip over to this after the Jag Steelers game ended. I mean, the drive chart. If you just go to ESPN.com or you know RotoWire, your preferred source. I mean, it's just punt, 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 missed field goal, punt, 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 fumble, punt, punt. Uh, what was the total count on punts? Like 24? Uh, it was to the point where I saw somebody made a, a Thomas Morstead like highlight video of all of his punts <laughs> yesterday, like like set to like this sizzle really cool reel. music. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, basically a sizzle reel. Uh, yeah, I mean, Thomas Morstead punted 11 times. Jamie Gillen punted 13 times. Wow. Uh, I think the NFL record was 27 punts in a game in 1998. Uh, but still, we, we were encroaching on that. Just a bizarre game. I mean, the, the Giants almost won this game with negative nine passing yards. And, you know, our guy, Gary and Thorne, who, who joined us on Sirius XM every now and then, had a good tweet yesterday. And it was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, they come out for the the overtime coin toss. The Giants win the toss and take the ball. And, and Gary and tweeted something to the effect of, like, should the Giants even want to take the ball here? Right. I, that's the first <laughs> I, thing I, I, I thought about. kind of right. Yeah, honest. right. Yeah. It's like, And then, of course, they shank a punt, and it, it had a it had a pretty nice bounce that, that set the Jets back a little bit. But I, I – 
truly, truly think the Giants should have considered deferring there. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I agree. I think if they weren't so shell-shocked from giving up the game-tying field goal immediately before that, maybe they come to that conclusion. I mean, just think about how bizarre of a sequence it had to get just to get to that point. Missed field ball goal by Graham Gannott uh, after uh, cho you know, choosing not to go for it on fourth and one to put the game away because um, you're going up three to go up six. Then you're forcing them to try to drive for a touchdown, and I get that. Right. You know, Zach Wilson's not going to do that. And then you have the free play, Thibodeau. And the thing is, the Jets get the connection. They get the pass, and they get the benefit of the call of stopping the clock. Even though they don't take the penalty, yeah. it serves as a timeout. That's huge. I mean, Thibodeau is playing so good, so great earlier that game. To have that happen was just terrible. And then Zach Wilson connects again a couple of times to Lazard. They just enough time to down the ball for the field goal. I mean, so many bizarre things. That field goal was almost a shank, but it went yeah, through. Yeah, I thought he missed it. I totally thought yeah. he missed it. It was basically, it looked just like the Gano field goal, uh, yeah. which was a 35-yarder, by the way. It's not like they, they right for some, like, 58-yarder to try to make it a six-point game. I mean, this was a gimme. And, you know, they were talking on the telecast of, like, and this is this tells you where the Giants are at right now, really both these teams, where they're like, uh, is it too risky to even attempt this field goal because it might get blocked and returned for a touchdown? Like that, those are yeah. the type of thoughts that were going through your head watching this <laughs> game. It's like, man, I, I don't know if they should take the free three points here. It's too risky to kick a 35-yard field goal. Um, you know, in retrospect, maybe you just you try to push for it, you go for it. Obviously, knowing that you missed the field goal, um, you know, you you, you would have done that. But I, I also don't think you know you ever foresaw Zach Wilson leading that drive. A couple of really nice throws, you know, under duress. You know, we, I, I thought we were going to get a classic Zach Wilson sack at the end where he's rolling 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 and then finally yep. makes that throw across the middle did you see the replay though jeff of that that final play on the spike the jets spotted their own ball like lazard gets up which by the way lazard ran like he like really? tried to make some defenders miss like he should have just gone down immediately he burned probably three seconds off the clock you know running around doing nothing but he goes down and just grabs the ball himself and hands it to the offensive lineman I do think the ref came in and, and like tapped the ball because the ref has to touch it. Yeah, but yeah. It was not. It was not spotted by the referees. It was spotted by the Jets. Cowboys fans are yelling at the TV, seeing exactly. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I didn't see that actually. That's that's a good catch. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what the call is there, but it, I mean, there should have been something, and I, I assume it would have been a runoff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and by the way, with Scott's uh, suggestion about forcing prisoners to watch that, there's some Geneva conventions that would be. Uh, uh, violated with forcing it's like watching Iowa football Iowa Northwestern by the way this weekend the over under in that game is 29 and a half lowest ever lowest ever and fittingly so I, Wrigley I, Field I game that. though Woo! sorry people not sorry not sorry uh, it's a good week good weekend for my sporting interests there uh Northwestern wins as a 14 point yeah. underdog too that was fun and they actually earned it you know, which is the scary part too um all right so yeah what I think we've said enough about that game well except we can't because we don't know who's going to be the quarterback for the Giants next week. Um, I think it's going to be Daniel Jones. We, we got we got some encouraging news on him. Uh, sounds like he's moving in the right direction. Cleared for contact uh, as of this morning. So okay. I, 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 I would expect that it's Daniel Jones. I mean, Tyrod Taylor spent last night in the hospital. So I, I don't yeah, think it's going to be Significant rib injury. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, trying to hunt for other takeaways here. I mean, Garrett Wilson continues to be pretty decent fantasy wise, considering how much of a disaster this offense is seven for a hundred, you know, Brees Hall had a nice day as well, mostly through the air, six for 76 and a long touchdown. I mean, the, the giants offensive uh, statistics, especially receiving are just comical. Literally nobody did anything. Darren Waller went out early. He was banged up coming into this game. It was 100% Saquon Barkley, 36 carries for Saquon Barkley for 128 yards. Like he, he was their entire offense. 
Yeah, it's tough to do it when you got 17 people in the box, but that's what Hall and Barkley were facing yep. uh, this this past week. I thought it was funny. Delvin Cook asked for a trade too. Like, um, yeah, it's like okay, man, we show something first. <laughs> yeah, anything at all. Um, yeah. All right. Before we move on to Titans Falcons, uh, got a quick note from our friends at Circa. Get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen, booming game sound, and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snag the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sports book, Circus Sports for the Big Game Bash. Three stories of glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We are big fans of Circa. So, uh, hey, please patronize them if you plan to be in Vegas at all for, uh, this, for that weekend. We can say Super Bowl, can't we? We can say it. Um, big game. It's the big game. Big game. Yeah, but be there that weekend. I highly recommend it. Okay. Titans. Falcons, two teams that won't be there, but provided some entertainment this uh, this past weekend, namely in the name of Will Levis. Yeah, you know, we John and I talked about this game quite a bit. We considered actually using the the Atlanta side of this game, um, you know, just as kind of a spot play in Circa, and thankfully we avoided it. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the logic there is, okay, Will Levis is being thrust into this. You know, he's not ready. He looked bad in the preseason. It's his draft stock, you know, kind of fell toward the end of draft season. Like, this, this could be a complete disaster. And instead, Will Will Levis looked fantastic. I mean, he had some of the some of the better deep throws that we've seen from any quarterback this season. He single handedly has revived DeAndre Hopkins, who had 128 yards on four catches, including three touchdowns. All of them were yep. long, only six targets. Uh, you know, was was not a perfect day from Will Levis, but the deep ball alone. I mean, that is this was so counter to like really any Titans game that we've seen, not only this season but like the last few seasons, right? I mean, that's been kind of the criticism with this team. Like even when they've had their good years, they haven't been able to rip off big plays through the air and, and Will Levis completely changed that overnight. Uh, you know, credit to Atlanta who, by the way, did bench Desmond Ritter. They, they claimed it was for, you know, kind of concussion suspicions as opposed to performance. But right. uh, I think probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B there. I mean, yeah. he was bad in the first half. He was sacked five times in the first half, uh, lost a fumble as well. Just kind of doing Desmond Ritter things. Taylor Heineke came in and, and pretty much looked like Taylor Heineke, you know, made, made some risky throws, but also, you know, kind of threw the Falcons back into this game. They had a chance late to steal a victory, uh, ended up going out on downs. They took over with a little over two minutes left and, you know, deep in their own territory, weren't really able to do anything. Uh, really bad drop, by the way, by Van Jefferson on fourth down. Would have been an, an easy oh, first down. Ball yeah. came in ball came in a little hot from Heineke. It was maybe a little behind him, but still, I mean, the, the good receivers like in the NFL make ago, that catch pretty much right? every single time. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it was, it was exactly like that, but less contested. I mean, there was no defender yeah. in the area. Yeah, very sure. similar play, um, but you know, still should have been caught, especially in that mm -hmm. situation. Uh, but, you know, this is this is what we come to expect from Atlanta, right? I mean, a, a team that wins the games that you feel like they shouldn't win, and, and then when you have a great spot like this going up against a rookie third-string quarterback, you completely fall flat. Yep, yep, that's right. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's it couldn't happen to a nicer head coach in Arthur Smith. That's all I'm going to say uh, about that. But uh, Bijan did get untracked. He did play well in this one here. Uh, in, in addition to uh, Ritter getting benched slash checked for concussion, 
We also had uh, the, t- the the bad one was Drake London getting hurt with a, a groin yeah. injury. He was on pace for a decent day. He was five for 55 on seven targets. We'll see what happens with him. Can I interest you in any Kaderil Hodge or is that just a like, okay, he had one big ball and that's about it? Uh, yeah, probably not. Probably not. We'll see. I mean, if they stick with Heineke, that, that changes things a little bit. At least he's willing to take some of those shots down the field. I mean, Atlanta mm-hmm. had a few big plays in the passing game. Matt Collins had a 20 yarder. Yeah. You know, London had the big one. You mentioned Hodge 52 yards. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts, unfortunately was not really any more involved than he normally is three for 35 oh. on five targets. And, and Bijan got it going on the ground, you know, had a, a 25 yard run at a touchdown, but zero catches was targeted five times out of the backfield. Didn't come down with any of those. So kind of a, a disappointing day for him on balance, not giving you anything through the air. Derek Henry, a, a quiet hundred yard day, 22 carries for one one Didn't really rip off any big ones. Didn't have any touchdowns. You know, it felt like we didn't really see any, you know, any of Derek Henry on red zone. Every time it flashed to this game, it was Will Levis, you know, hucking the ball downfield to a somehow wide open DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's what I'm going to have to do the rewatch on. I haven't done it yet, but I, I do want to see some things uh, about that. Uh, di- let me ask you a dynasty league question, though. Is it time to give up okay. on Traylon Burks? Uh, should we wait until he gets another game under his belt, game or five under his belt? But uh, wasn't much of a part of the offense after coming back from injury this week. You know, I, I think the one good thing you could say is he played the second most snaps of any receiver behind mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, but he only ran 17 routes on 35 snaps and he was only targeted twice and didn't have a single catch. So I'm, I'm fine giving up on him at this point. You know, take what you could get. I, you know, I'd be a little bit trepidatious just in case this Levis thing is real. And look, I mean, chances are he'll, he'll regress as most rookies do uh, after a huge debut like this. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I feel a little bit more confident, at least in this passing game with Will Levis than I do Ryan Tannehill. You know, they'll have an interesting decision to make once once Tannehill is healthy, which direction they want to go. Um, we, we also our, uh, Mike Vrabel did tell us that we'd see both quarterbacks, which we did see Malik Willis played two snaps. And I, I believe it was the first snap he played terrible, terrible snap by the by the center goes over his head for a fumble. Uh, so that was that was the Malik Willis experience on Sunday. I felt bad for him. And, and yeah, I, me too. Well, not I guess fault. he was getting booed a little bit. And t- t- his ten- Tennessee teammates were rallying around him a little bit. were ticked off about that, which I can understand. I mean, the guy's doing his best. He's trying hard. And he and then when he finally gets a chance, something happens out of his control. Yeah, it was it wasn't on him at all. But yeah, still yeah. pretty, pretty disappointing. I mean, they brought him in for basically two designed runs. One of them went nowhere. And the other one you know, resulted in that fumble. Um, no, no other major takeaways for me here. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta ran the ball fairly effectively. That's been, that's been something where there's, I think it's a little bit of a contrast between thinking of Atlanta as this great running team that could plow through everybody, but really the last few weeks that has not been the case. You know, they were bottom 10 in rushing EPA coming into this game. They, they got 5.4 yards per carry, uh, which, which is all well and good. Part of that was Desmond Ritter, you know, scrambling a few times in the first half, but yeah, there's, there's still some missing with Atlanta and I, the entire NFC South. I, I don't know, man. I, I guess we're back to the saints, maybe being the best team in that division. Yeah, um, I think they are. They're the most talented team. They just they find ways to lose though, too. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Um, another thing, another team I don't know about. I had good vibes. Everybody had good vibes about the Houston Texans going into this game against Carolina Panthers, and they went in and they laid a pretty big egg, losing fifteen thirteen. I mean, C.J. Stroud only threw for one hundred forty yards, got sacked twice. Damian Pierce. Ugh, cannot buy a break had a touchdown rescinded and then they hand it off to the fullback next mm-hmm. time and then he gets another chance around the one doesn't get in instead Stroud gets the quarterback sneak I use Stroud and Nico Collins in DFS shame on me 
that was supposed to be a smash stop, uh, a smash spot. Instead, it was a stop. Um, what? I don't know. I'm I'm pretty pretty disappointed in the Texans after this one here. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, for for AFC South purposes, I was okay with this. You know, I imagine Jags, but yeah. two and a half games uh, between themselves and Houston, which is nice. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people were actually calling this upset coming into the week, which in, in yeah. weeks past is, you know, when, when there's been all this chatter, you know, usually those type of games have fallen flat, but Carolina showed up here. The defense played arguably its best game of the season. You know, Houston was just kind of punt rating this entire game. They had a fumble early in the second half that, that set up a field goal for Carolina. I, you could say Bryce Young outplayed CJ Stroud in this game. I, I think that's pretty clear. You know, it was not like this you know crazy game by Bryce Young, but had some nice throws downfield. Yeah, was sacked six times. Uh, that continues to be an issue for Carolina. Their their left tackle, uh, who was a top ten pick a couple of years ago. You know, I, I saw somebody put together a supercut of him just getting beat over and over and over. Uh, you know, mostly by by Jonathan Greenard and, and Will Anderson, but. Um, yeah, they, they have some problems on the offensive line. I don't think this really changes anything directionally for Carolina, but you can tell, man, I mean, l- listening to like the, the radio call, the Panthers call this game late. I mean, there is, this was a big deal. I, I think to get this win, especially over CJ Stroud, because I, yeah. I think the Panthers are well aware, uh, as are, as is everybody that CJ Stroud has vastly outplayed the guy that they took over CJ Stroud. So, so getting this win of all of them, um, again, I, I, I still think Carolina is probably a bottom three team at the end of the year. Uh, but, but this one feels good. And, you know, this was really the first, I wouldn't even say it was a bad game for CJ Stroud. Like he didn't throw any picks. He, he did, did have the one fumble that he got back. Um, but, but overall, I, it was just a, it was just a day where the, the offense could not get anything going. You know, they, they were struggling to convert first down. So they had a couple opportunities late, uh, you know, getting the ball back with a chance to go down and even a field goal, uh, you know, would have, would have kind of felt like it put this one out of reach because you didn't trust Carolina to throw a touchdown and, and they, they could not get anything going five of 12 on third down, just 229 total yards for the Houston Texans. Like really the first time all year that the Texans kind of kind of look like the Texans team that we thought they'd be. 222 to two two uh 229 and total yards. I mean it was yeah. not a game for the ages, that's for sure. Uh another Iowa inspired game. Um but uh yeah it, it, it I just I think Carolina is a bad still remains a really bad team. Yeah. That offensive line is really hideous as you alluded to. Thielen still gets his uh, 11 targets, eight for 72, nothing huge downfield this week. Jonathan Mingo, I think looks the part. Um, yeah. I don't know if Carolina needs to trade for a receiver. I don't think that's their problem. I think their issue is they need, uh, like line help. I think that's yeah. where they really need help. I mean, neither Chuba Hubbard nor Miles Sanders did anything. Sanders barely saw the field. Actually only two carries for Miles Sanders. That one was something that caught my eye coming back from the shoulder injury. Yeah. Uh, I want to know if like this is did he get did he aggravate it or they just decide that uh, Hubbard is a better back? Yeah, and I hope we get an answer on that because you know this is very concerning. And you know not only did he did he you know barely carry the ball, but he wasn't even on the field that much. Only played twelve of a possible sixty-seven snaps for the Carolina Panthers. We saw Raheem Blackshear get ten snaps, forty-five mm-hmm. for Chuba Hubbard, and you know Sanders was carrying that that shoulder injury into the week, but he was off the injury report as of Wednesday. So there was no. It's not like he came in as like a fifty-fifty and, and was a last-second you know, uh, you know, active. I mean, everything was trending toward him being mostly healthy for this game. So pretty concerning. Uh, you know, he's been one of the least effective backs in the NFL. Part of that's on the offensive line. I think part of that is on Miles Sanders himself. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. the advanced numbers say he's been one of the worst backs in the league. So, uh, you know, I think the fact that Carolina won this game, even if they didn't run the ball that effectively, doesn't really bode well for Sanders. No, it doesn't. Big nothing burger in terms of fantasy production in this game. The two touchdown scorers in this game, Tommy Tremble and Andrew Beck. Yep. That that's going to leave, leave a lot of people unhappy. 
All right, let's move on to a different game. Try to make a little yeah. bit people a little bit more happy. At least if you're a Cowboys fan, and that's a uh, Cowboys romping all over mm. the Rams here. This this game was never close, Nick. No, man, we we were on the Rams at circa. We loved this dog play. Really, here. really? But, cool. Yeah, and this was. I mean, this like you said, it was over. Um, I mean, it was thirty three to three Dallas with a few minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, you know, Stafford was was hurt at that point. Played a little bit more, and then we saw Ripian. Uh, for the rest of the game. And, you know, he really didn't do anything. I, I thought the Rams kind of shut it down uh, essentially as they should in the second half. I mean, it was, it was that lopsided. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the thing with Dallas, like when they, when they show up and when they win, they tend to win big, right. This was one of those games. I mean, it was, it was kind of mm -hmm. reminiscent of that giants game in week one. Uh, you know, the week after that, they, they smashed the jets. They had that big win over new England. Uh, you know, did have a narrow win over the chargers last week, but for the most part, you know, when they win, they, they really poured on huge day for Dak Prescott. You know, his one interception was, was kind of a fluky play, but other than that, I thought this was his best game of the year, 25 of 31 for 304 and four touchdowns. Uh, you know, Dallas didn't really run the ball all that effectively. It didn't really have to. Uh, it was it was kind of the the Dak C.D. Lamb show. Saw a little bit more Brandon Cooks involvement. He got a touchdown, three for 49. Jake Ferguson uh, continues to be a nice little you know late round tight end. If you grabbed him, four for 47 and a score. Really nothing to, to take away here on the Rams side of things, uh, other than you know Cooper Cup back to back weeks where he's basically been yeah. shut out. Uh, that was going to be my uh, my one comment is my, my takeaway is, yeah, it's just two bad weeks in a row for him. You never see that, but uh, you take away Stafford. And I'll tell you what, anytime Stafford and the Rams play a team that has any semblance of a pass rush, they're they're in trouble. Uh, you know, we saw the, the Monday night game against the Bengals where that pass rush in the fourth quarter, Stafford had no chance. That's why I was all over the Cowboys in this one in staff picks. Should have made it my best bet, but I didn't. But at least I picked them. Um, it was just you know he's just he's dead against a good pass rush um he doesn't yeah. evade well and the line's not very good so they play the packers this week so they should be fine if his thumb's okay but that's going to be one of the big stories of the week we lost cousins we may have lost stafford too and we're, we, we're gonna lose Goff, uh purdy trevor lawrence this week and russell wilson uh due to buy so quarterback's gonna be tough this week especially if you're in a super flex league yeah, it's not getting any easier with these injuries and, you know, with the buys coming back in week nine. So we'll mm -hmm. we'll address that on the XM show, uh, you know, the waiver wire show later this week. You know, they'll, they'll have some hopefully some guidance for you, but it's it's getting rocky out there with quarterbacks. And I'm very interested to see, you know, what Minnesota does. And I, I wouldn't say it's a lock that uh, that Matthew Stafford plays either. Um, you know, right. I mean, he's one of the toughest guys in the league and, and wasn't able to, to, to play it through in this game. Obviously, the score, you know, maybe had something to do with that. But uh, they, they did say no fracture to that thumb, which is big. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just throwing thumb. So it's not a yeah. Herbert situation where you could just bandage it up and say, all right, we're good. Just avoid contact to it. Um, you know, it's something that I think will be affecting him the next couple of weeks. If I'd he agree. plays, uh, Deron Bland, by the way, had a pick six in this game. That that's what really you know set off the upset. Just a brutal throw by Stafford to the outside. Yeah. Uh, that made it 17 to three. That is now three pick sixes on the year for Deron Bland, uh, who obviously leads nice. the league in that category. Uh, really, really not uh, much else to say here other than the, the CD lamb breakout continues, right? I mean, this is now two straight weeks where CD lamb has shown up after a couple underwhelming games in a row. You know, I, I still think he's probably a tier below, you know, the, the, the truly, you know, ultra elite guys, you know, thinking AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, what they provided in fantasy. But I think this was a nice reminder that, that CD lamb is at least close to that tier on a lot of weeks. I think in abilities right there, I think it's oh, yeah. a play calling sort of thing more than anything. Sure. Um, speaking of which. Cowboys Eagles next week, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see that lamb versus Brown straight up there. We'll see what sort of game plan McCarthy has cooked up. They had the buy coming out of this one here. 
it was kind of a perfect spot for the Cowboys. It won't be a perfect spot next week. So we'll see what happens with that. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that'll probably be the game I'm looking forward to the most other than my Bengals bills. Uh, but uh, well, that, I mean, we got a lot of good ones next week. I mean, we got yeah. Dolphins Chiefs. That's the, oh, yeah, that's, that's right. The, the Germany game. game. Yeah. yeah. So we got we got Dolphins Chiefs. We have Seahawks Ravens, which is you know maybe not quite on that on that level. But that's, you know, five and two versus a six and two team. Yeah. Cowboys Eagles Bills Bengals. And even yeah. Chargers Jets will be fun that, that, as a as a Monday night game. So yeah, it's going to be a really fun week. Oh hey, a New York team getting a standalone game. Yeah. What are the odds? Um, thanks thanks NFL. Um, let's go on to Saints Colts. The Colts are bringing out the weird every week. Uh, they've got these week. weird aberrant games. Um, and last yesterday was no exception. I mean, the Saints, who are the Saints, can't score. You know, very drab team is all of a sudden put up big numbers. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to think of the Saints. This offense was horrific for basically three and a half quarters last week at home against Jacksonville. Still got to 24 points, but it did not look good. They were getting booed in the first quarter. Yeah. And, you know, now for the second time in a month, they they you know kind of have this explosion, 38 points. They put up 34 on the New England Patriots. So it, it, it really seems like they're either scoring like 17 to 24 points or 30 plus points any given week. And it's been impossible to predict. Uh, Colts are, are like a fun, bad team though. No question. Yeah. I mean, they are, they're like one of the most fun teams to watch week in and week out. Gardner Minshew will make any throw. Uh, it's not always going to be a good throw, but he's <laughs> yeah. not afraid to throw it. He had a, just a horrible interception uh, in oh, the end zone. Game turning interception. So, oh. so bad, but Hey, had, had two touchdowns as well. Uh, you know, he's helping unlock Michael Pittman. It was another good day for Josh Downs. He went seven for 72 uh, Rashid Shahid with like an all time receiving line three yeah. for 153 in a touchdown. Like every single reception of his was a huge play downfield. Yeah. The smallest was 44 and that underthrown ball by Taysom Hill that there was, you know, they ruled he was down before his, you know, got wrestled away from him as an interception. So, uh, I mean, it, that one was, that was lucky, uh, there a little bit there, but yeah, Shahid's like this big game guy, big play guy. It's, it's wild to see that. I actually saw him cut in a couple of leagues this week and you know, to be fair, he had three targets. Yeah. It just all happened to be big, huge plays. I mean, it's it's tough in a shallow league and a league where there were, in a week where there are no buys. You have to make some tough choices, and I get it there. But uh, yeah, I thought there were two huge that that I thought the the overturned interception and the actual interception by uh, Minshew were two of the huge big like linchpin plays in this game. Yeah, it was. You know, it ended up being an eleven point win for New Orleans, but it, was, it never really felt safe. You know, then the Colts yeah. are kind of have kind of become that team where you feel like they can they could rip off big plays at any time. Uh, you know, they had it down to one score uh, late in the game. You know, the the, the Saints tacked on a field goal, uh, put together a long drive to to kill a bunch of clock. You know, nine plays yeah. uh, over three and a half minutes. So you know, made this an eleven point game with under thirty seconds remaining. But it was it was still in the balance. You know, Colts had a chance to get a stop and a score uh, and potentially even it up prior to that. Uh, you know, I, I know you're not a Taysom Hill guy, Jeff, but we saw a lot of Taysom Hill. This was, was a, a fa- this was a fantastic Taysom Hill game. Yeah, it was. Nine carries for 63 and two touchdowns. Uh, he was actually on the throwing end of one of those long plays to Rashid Shahid, a 44-yarder. Yeah. That was a huge one. That was uh, the one that was catch. the overturned interception. Yes. Yeah. 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 This was it was it was just it was an all-around day for Taysom Hill. You know, I, yeah. I, I know he has been a a thorn in some people's side, uh, but I, I respect it. I respect yeah. it. I, I I wish there were more players like him. Like I, I wish other teams would see this, and maybe it's a testament to just how unique he is. But it's it's like something you do. Like this, something I would do on like Madden or NCAA football back in the day is like you you know you're trying to make your like middle linebacker win the Heisman, so you put him in there at receiver and you give him goal line carries. Like no no other team has has really tried this. Yeah. So for me, I guess, I don't know. It's in part because I'm annoyed that he qualifies as a tight end because he's really not a tight end. I know every once in a while he lines up there, but he's usually lining up taking snaps or, you know, Mm -hmm. 
but um, so maybe that's one thing. But yeah, if you got him as your tight end now, you're feeling really, really, really happy. There is a sequence there. His second touchdown, you know, they they got stopped on like the five yard line, but then the Colts committed this really dumb personal foul, yeah. late hit penalty, and it put it at the one. He gets the carry after that for the second touchdown. It's just like. I, I think it would have been third and goal from like the four or five. And instead it was yep. first and goal from the one or two. And of course he carries, he gets the touchdown. It's like I had Camara going in DFS. So that's why I was super annoyed. I've got Olave going in some leagues. Uh, he had a bad drop too. another one. Every, you know, I can't, this isn't all on Derek Carr. I mean, I want to be able to say, Oh, it's not Olave's fault. He's amazing. He's just being held back. No, Olave's played starting like with like the new England game. He's yeah. had like some like one bad play every single game. So some of this is on him. Yeah, I mean he had the 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 good game against Houston, seven for ninety-six, but he's you know he's got one touchdown on the year, right? And he you could say he has three, three and a half like plus games in terms of receptions and yardage. It's been really mm-hmm. frustrating. I mean, beginning of the season, he was seeing 10 plus targets felt like every week, and you know, the touchdowns weren't there, but you knew they were gonna come at some point. And yeah, it's just I mean, he's kind of going through what CeeDee Lamb was going through a couple of weeks ago. So hopefully that breakout's coming. They do play Chicago and Minnesota the next two weeks going pretty, into pretty good. So pretty, yeah. pretty good opportunities you know, to, to get Chris Olave loose. Um, but but nonetheless, it's been frustrating. Uh, real quickly, Jeff, before we move on, we do have a trade uh, involving a prominent defensive player. The Seattle Seahawks have traded a second and a fifth round pick to acquire Leonard Williams from the Giants. Ooh, well, and you know, the Giants should be sellers. I mean, their season's done. They're two and six. Their quarterback's banged up. Yeah, this is massive. Good, good catch to be on Twitter to see that. Um, Nice to see the Seahawks throwing in. Um, And it it is. So, yeah, we're at we're kind of now. This will get the ball rolling a little bit more. I'm very happy to see this Um, and happy to see it before we sign off. Yeah, this is a Seattle team that's already fifth in the NFL in sacks. And they've they played one fewer games than than half of the league. So, you know, in terms of pressure rate, they're right up there. I mean, this is a a pretty good, you know, young defensive line that that's now going to get even better adding a former pro bowler in Leonard Williams. Not not a ton of takeaways fantasy-wise, of course, but uh good to see Seattle being aggressive and you know, maybe sensing some opportunity in that NFC West with the Niners losing three in a row. Pretty good, I think, trade value for the Giants, too. Let's get a second yeah. and the fifth. Oh, yeah um because he's a free agent at the end of the year so um yeah uh yeah this is a better this they got a better deal than what i thought the titans got for kevin bayard for instance yeah i, I mean they set back admins i don't you know, I, I, it's, hard, it's hard for me to say you know how much they value a player versus a pick but i think you're right i mean getting uh, the fifth rounder is just a bonus here i mean getting a second rounder for a guy who's set to become a free agent i, I think is pretty good value uh for a giants team that uh is, is doesn't have a ton of leverage uh, is one way to put it. I think as the deadline approaches, uncle Ted suggests is, is Saquon Barkley next? I mean, couldn't he be? Shouldn't he, should he be? I, I mean, they should at least yeah. field calls, right? And, and not I mean, even in a Jerry Jones. We're not going to call you. You right. will accept your call sense. They should actually like even call around even. I think they should, because you know, we talked about this on, on, I think on this show and on the XM last week, there's just not that many teams that are clear sellers. And there's a lot of teams that could tell themselves that they're buyers right now. I mean, virtually, mm-hmm. virtually the entire AFC, maybe other than Denver could, could consider itself a buyer and probably new England as well. And, you know, it's kind of the case of the NFC too. I mean, there's at least two teams in every division and in some cases, three uh, that, that feel like they're in the mix either for that division or for a wildcard spot. So we, we have a, a market here that I think favors sellers. And if you're, if you're a team that says, all right, we're not that good. We, we just had negative nine passing yards this past week against the Jets. Uh, it might be time to consider ourselves sellers. Like, 
you're going to have a lot of people, uh, you know, willing to willing to call you, willing to to drive up the price. And I, I think that's probably part of the deal here with Leonard Williams. I assume Seattle was not the only caller. You know, that that's why you're getting a second and a fifth because you have to outbid other teams. I mean, a Saquon trade would be amazing, but both for him and and for the league. I mean, this Giants team is clearly going nowhere. I don't want to see Saquon Barkley carrying the ball. 30 times for, you know, 97 yards the rest of the way because they have no other options on that offense. Uh, man, I, I'm trying to think of like a, a, a perfect landing spot for him, but I mean, so many teams. Baltimore, Kansas City, two immediate <sighs> ones, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I would love to say Jacksonville, um, but I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're in that market right now. Maybe God, Pittsburgh. I, I don't want him going to Baltimore. That's all I'm saying. I Miami. Don't, I don't want him to go to Baltimore. Miami's getting H hand back. I, I think. Yeah, Miami's not doing it. I think, um, they need to. I think Buffalo, Unless, I mean, Buffalo planted its flag with, with Leonard Fournette. So maybe they're out. I think they could just burn that flag if they wanted to. Um, yeah. I don't think that's, if Saquon Barkley's walking through that door, Leonard Fournette's not standing in the way. <laughs> yeah, very true. Well, we got, I mean, what, like 24 hours uh, for a deal to get done. So yeah. I, as a fan of the NFL, I would love to see Saquon Barkley on a, on a competent team on a, on a playoff caliber team. I just, I'm a fan of trade deadlines and the NFL is always the most disappointing yeah. of them all. So uh, come on, prove me wrong. Uh, a team that was being rumored to be sellers, uh, on Jay Glazer yesterday on the, uh, Fox NFL Sunday, uh, prod, uh, preview show, uh, was saying that the commanders would be in the market to sell off any one of three of their, uh, defensive linemen, including Jonathan Adams being, I think the most prominent of those, they, this is a game I was on the right side all game long. And then I ended up getting the non cover. I'm very frustrated with that, but, um, you know, this, the Sam Hell played he, he played his butt off there i was going to use a different yeah. part of the anatomy there but he he played incredibly well you know 39 for 52 397 unfortunately all the damage came late the pick came late yeah. the sack came on the one sack he only got sacked once but it happened to be the last play of the game um of course it did uh yeah. so, but 39 for 52 397 four touchdowns he played awesome out there yeah, he did. And, you know, he took that sack on, uh, you know, it was a fourth and five with a little over two minutes left, came uh, after a, a weird incomplete pass that I, yeah. I actually thought was completed. Uh, took a, it was a long review. One of many games that had a bunch of reviews going on at yeah. the end. I mean, that that Carolina-Houston game, by the way, they lined up for the game-winning field goal, what, three three separate times? Uh, what, the, Texas what, the Houston, like, uh, they, they there's one player that did the like, triggered the penalty, like intentionally was offside, intentionally like tried to do it and he got in, like a personal foul for it because he yeah. repeated it. It was like a repeat offender. Like you get in, in soccer, like he was getting, he got it. Basically he got a yellow card, but yeah, it was funny. Yeah. I mean, one of those, he, I mean, he was basically like standing next to the holder when they kicked it. He was so offside. It was the, the probably the most obvious offsides I've ever seen in an NFL yeah. game. Uh, but back to Philly, Washington. I mean, I, I thought, I thought Howell played really well, you know, and my, my analysis yeah. coming into this game, why I thought Philly would win and cover, which, Thankfully, they did. And thank God Washington lined up for an extra point to make this a seven point game instead of going for two uh, with the number sitting at six and a half. But that's, you know, that, that's a whole separate story. Uh, I, I thought, you know, Washington a few weeks ago had their chance to beat Philly. I thought they played about as well as they could. They came up short in overtime. And I thought it was going to be really hard to replicate that performance, even at home. Totally wrong. I mean, Sam Howell was, was carving up the secondary throughout the afternoon. I mean, there were like eight different receivers uh, who were involved. You know, Jahad Dotson finally had a big day, eight for 108 and a touchdown. Jamison Crowder, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, all those guys got in the end zone. I mean, almost 400 yards passing for Sam Howell. With that said, this is a game where Philly should have been in the 40s because yeah, Kenneth Gainwell right. fumbled at the three-yard line, yep, and yep. they fumbled on the tush push. Yep. They fumbled on the tush push 
at the one. So Philly had you know two golden opportunities where Philly almost always converts those. They're one of the best red zone, if not the best red zone team in the NFL. And they left two scores on the board. It still put up 38. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's 100% right. I was thinking the same thing that, I mean, they, they, you know, they, they should have put up even a bigger number there. Um, I love, though, that they did the wrinkle off the tush push, though. They did the uh, toss to Swift instead off of that. Put that out on film. Oh, yeah. I have an NFFC team with Raheem Mostert and DeAndre Swift as my two starting running backs. Oh, my gosh. What a windfall to get touchdowns from both of them late like that. I was like, salvage bad days in both cases. <sighs> and Philly hasn't been able to run the right. ball very well lately. Well, especially if what I mean, not really. No, I thought this would be a great spot for DeAndre Swift. And beyond that, I mean, he had really nothing going. Uh, yeah. 16 for 57. You know, some of that came in garbage time as they were trying to burn clock. Had no run longer than nine yards. Yeah. Uh, it kind of feels like a distant memory of, of the Eagles just clearing those huge holes for him a few weeks ago. It's now been a few games in a row where they've struggled to get him going. But yeah, you got the touchdown there. Great call uh, on the fake tush push. I mean, that was wide open, well blocked. He was able to basically walk into the end zone. A.J. Brown. And we got to mention him. He just oh. continues to look like arguably the best receiver in the league right now. I, I think it's it's Brown versus Tyreek Hill with Justin Jefferson injured. And you know, take your pick there. I think you can't really go wrong. Uh, I mean, this is now, is it five or six games in a row for him? Uh, six games in a row where he's gone over 125 yards. Uh, he's got five touchdowns in that span. Just you know, huge play after huge play. Uh, th- th- you know, th- there weren't a lot of deep balls for A.J. Brown this week. You know, a lot of it was uh, you know shorter and runs after the catch. But uh, I mean, in terms of contested catches, like when, when Jalen Hurts throws it up there to him, it's like there's really nobody I trust more to come down uh, with that ball than A.J. Brown. I mean, he had, he's kind of felt like he went up a level last year and has, has taken it to you know an even higher level in 2023. He's a strong human. That one that one hand catch in the end zone. Oh, my goodness. My God. Oh, he's so good. ridiculous catch. Yeah. Yeah. Devontae Smith, too, seven for 99 in a touchdown. Uh, it's good to see both him and Jalen Waddell, you know, kind of these secondary receivers in their offenses both have big weeks. Uh, Dallas Goddard looked okay, and I'd be remiss, Jeff, if we if we did not mention Julio Jones catching a very very difficult touchdown over the middle to put Philly ahead late. Yeah, he did the one catch, two targets. Um, yeah, I, I like. Oh, hey, wait, I got a touchdown for Brown. Oh no, that's Julio. Oh, okay, darn it. Yeah, exactly. But... Julio wearing number eighty. Ugh, ugh, I don't I don't like that one bit. He's he's reached that point in his career. You know, it's he like... looked like a tight end. I was like, who's eighty? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like oh. it's like Blake Griffin wearing ninety one for the Celtics, or like when Bear <laughs> Davis wore eighty five for the Knicks. You're like, oh man, this is this is not a good sign. Yeah, or Jordan on the Hornets. I mean, just don't uh, just can't have that anymore. Um, uh, Jahan Dotson was the big story for the Commanders. Uh, eight for one hundred eight. He he's been dropped in a lot of leagues. Yeah. I I I might have do- dropped him once in a shallow league, and I'm yeah. You know. But can we count on that repeating? That's the question. Well, uh, recent history would suggest no, uh, but you know these these boom weeks for Sam Howell. It's like when 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 they happen, there's going to be plenty to go around. And we we saw nine targets for Jahan Dotson. I think that's that's perhaps the the more encouraging sign. He was right behind McLaurin in that category, still playing a ton of snaps. Like it's it's yeah. been a brutal year for him, but it's not like he's being phased out of the offense. Like there's some of these other receivers where you look at the snap counts, you look at the target counts, and it's it, it's really concerning. But that it hasn't really been the case for him. He's got 18 targets over the last two weeks. He's played 85% of snaps mm-hmm. in that span. So I, I think if you're, if you're even like remotely a Sam Howell believer, I, I think, I think you pick back up Jahan Dotson or you hold him. If you still have him, they are at new England at Seattle. Uh, and then they're home for the New York giants over their next three games. I think they're by week, like week 14 too. week so 14. They, yeah, yeah. It's as late as it gets. Yeah. It's just, 
Why have I, I? I don't understand week five and week fourteen buys when you had nobody on buys in week eight. Just doesn't make yeah. any sense. Uh, yeah. But this is just me being an old man railing at the, uh, you know, shaking my fist at the sky or something like that. But um, yeah, other than that, I don't have a whole lot else to add. Uh, mm -hmm. Except you mentioned the two point conversion thing. You know, it used to be like some teams do this when they're down fourteen, they get that touchdown. Especially as an underdog, you go for two, so you know if you want to have a chance to win it outright, you know what yeah. you need. Right. And honestly, obviously at sitting at six and a half, I think that was an important decision. But even from a like a game theory standpoint, it's the sort of thing that you know Ron Rivera probably would never do. Um, and so it's just I to expect it is kind of folly, but at the same time it's disappointing. Yeah. So got nothing else. Yeah, I don't, is he really a riverboat Ron anymore? I feel like right. he's been passed up by by all these these young hotshot coaches. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really seem like he's taking these chances anymore. I think he's rowboat, Ron. Uh, but so, yeah, unfortunately there. Um, let's move on to the next game. But first, uh, Rotowire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash Sports empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season-long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles such as DFS, Pick X, and Traditional Survivor. And unlike traditional sports books, Splash Sports pitch you against friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond betting, a space where friends can connect, strategize, and share in the excitement of sports. Rotowire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the Rotowire experts? Visit rotowire.com slash splash, that's slash splash, to enter today. Thanks to Splash Sports for their sponsorship. Uh, let's move on to uh, the, the late slate. We did get one or, uh, late game already, but let's go to Se Seattle and Cleveland. Seattle jumped Cleveland early on this one, Nick, and then kind of and then fell behind and then rallied at the very end. Very weird script of a game. Yeah, I, I believe I was on Cleveland and staff picks here at three and a half and, and honestly felt like it was the right side. I did. Uh, you know, despite giving up that, that quick touchdown on the first drive of the game, you know, Cleveland fumbles after that. And all of a sudden it's 14 nothing. I felt like for you know, really the entire second, third, and most of the fourth quarter, Cleveland looked like the better team. You know, got, got mm -hmm. a big takeaway before halftime. Uh, you know, Geno Smith intercepted in the red zone. We've seen that a few times yes. over the last couple of weeks. Geno threw another pick uh, midway through the third quarter that that handed the Browns three points. Uh, but you know, ultimately, a, a really strange call. You know, just over two minutes left, third and three. And Cleveland, you know, you don't you don't want to necessarily just you know kind of cower and, and run the ball there and assume you're going to get stuffed and punt. But what you really don't want to do is is throw a pick in that situation. Right. And that's exactly what happened. And you know, Seattle able to take over with just under two minutes left, uh, right around midfield. So you know, not that a punt is a whole lot better, but at the very least, you know, you, you think you're getting the ball at the twenty or the twenty-five, if not deeper. Uh, and that you know that allowed Seattle to march right down. I mean, it was about as easy of a like you know clutch late game touchdown drive as you're going to see, it was just, you know, kind of medium chunk play after medium chunk play. Uh, Noah Fant had a big catch and run that set up uh, the Seahawks in the red zone. And uh, a couple plays later, there's Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, taking it in for a touchdown. And, you know, Cleveland had like 40 seconds left after that, but you just, you had zero faith whatsoever uh, that, that PJ Walker was going to matriculate right. them down the field. And you need a touchdown at that point, right? It's not like you could just get to the 40 and, and kick a long field goal. Like there was really no hope. Uh, PJ Walker was pretty distraught at the, after the game as he should be. Uh, but I actually thought Cleveland showed up here, you know, despite being down to Sean Watson again, you know, not having a great day through the air. PJ Walker was under 50% completion, you know, through the two picks. Uh, but, but Cleveland hung tough, you know, decent day for Kareem Hunt. He got in the end zone. We saw 
a decent amount of, of Pierre Strong and Jerome Ford as well. Um, and, and on the other side, I mean, Seattle, Seattle ran the ball really well, but just didn't really do it that much, you know, right? I mean, they averaged you know, between Walker and Charbonnet almost 10 yards per carry, but those guys combined for only 13 carries, and we saw Gino throw it 37 times. Yeah, um, and that's not really what you want to do. But then again, Walker came into the week hurt. Um, yep. in a, you know, they got pulled off the injury list on Friday. We've seen this last year where he gets super limited in practice, then he's full go for the game, but it wasn't quite full go. He no. only had eight carries. He ran, ripped off a 45-yarder early, so it kind of made the, the yards per attempt look really high. It was eight for 66. But Charbonnet, I think, either even or outsnapped him, which is yep. the first time we've seen that all year. Um, yep. and it, so it makes me think that, hey, they really are kind of tending to that calf a little bit extra here. So we'll see. I mean, they got a big game come up against Baltimore. I'm looking forward to that one. You alluded to that earlier. Um, I, I, I think they're going to be in trouble, especially at Baltimore, but uh, still uh, they, they got out of this. Okay. Um, but they're not, not quite all right. Yeah. Both of these teams are like, yeah, they're pretty good, but I always, you know, I, I feel like they're, they're in that category. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And, you know, to go back to the snap counts for the running backs, it was 32 to 24 in favor of Charbonnet. So yeah. about a 60-40 split. Like you said, that has not been the case the last few weeks. I do think Kenneth Walker just wasn't 100%, and, and that, mm -hmm. that probably moves more in his favor going forward. Uh, on the Cleveland side of things, I mean, this is it was almost an even three-way split. 27 for Hunt, 26 for four, 24 for Pierre Strong. They were pretty much dead even in terms of route run. Uh, they were pretty close in terms of carries as well. So good luck sorting that one out. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's just a big mess. And you know, Ford, you know, he was supposed to miss this game and then he practices Friday and then he's yep. tough and he, he over, he came, he played despite a high ankle, so high ankle sprain. So I get where some of this is coming from is in terms of the split, but yeah, you want to be able to have like one yep. guy or two guys that you can, uh, you can bank on there. Cleveland hosts Arizona next week. That's going to have some survivor intrigue, especially if some of your other options are used up. But at the same time, like I don't think I can trust PJ Walker with my survivor life on the line. It, it, I may have to, but I don't like it. This vaunted Cleveland defense is good, but uh, and they, they tightened up after the first quarter. But still, I mean, this is two weeks in a row where they they haven't been all that. Yeah, and you know the Cardinals continue to linger around, right? I mean, they found a way to cover uh, at mm -hmm. home against Baltimore. You know, Josh Jobs was just you know, turned into like Patrick Mahomes in garbage time, and was <laughs> you know couldn't miss anything after playing pretty poorly before that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Arizona now is is one and seven on the year, but they they remain frisky. You know, like I, we we talked about them being a bottom three team, and we were discussing Green Bay. It's like I don't I don't know if I would take the Packers to beat them straight up. Like uh, Arizona to me at least shows a little more competency. They they show more fight. I think that some of these other bad teams. Yeah. Let's talk about that Baltimore, uh, okay. Arizona game. Uh, you know, first of all, they've already announced that Dobbs is going to start this upcoming week. Uh, they took all the intrigue out of that. I'm thankful to know that at, from a ranking perspective, from a plan ahead purpose, but you got to figure week 10, we're going to see color Murray. Uh, this might be the last time where you feel like, okay, I can go ahead and take, uh, take uh, the opponent of Arizona in a, in a game there. But this is also an upcoming revenge game for Joshua Dobbs. He was traded by the Browns to the Cardinals to start the season. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky spot. And, you know, this this Baltimore-Arizona game, which I alluded to at the top, I mean, yeah. just the one, of the one of the worst beats you're going to see this year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Arizona converted a, a, uh, a two-point conversion to make this a nine-point game midway through the fourth quarter. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm texting with John at this point, just furious, you know, cannot believe we're going to lose this, but Baltimore marches right down nine plays, you know, burned off almost four minutes to, to go back up uh, by 16 at that point. Of course, Arizona puts together a 75 yard drive in like a minute and a half. Yeah. There's a bunch of big plays, you know, this weird play where, you know, Trey McBride, uh, you know, is, is like, looks like he's down. They just don't blow the whistle. Eventually he's in the end zone. And thankfully uh, there's a flag on the two point conversion attempt that sets him back. Um, and then they just run this like bizarre, like short pass to Marquise oh. Brown to get stuffed. So at that point, we're like, okay, we, we can live with this. It's a 10 point game. The spread is nine and a half. All Baltimore has to do is recover the onside kick. <laughs> they do not do that. It would, in their defense, great onside kick. Yes. Matt Prater. Yes. But, but Nelson Aguilar, why are you out there? Like, is there anybody in the world that you trust less among wide receivers than Nelson Aguilar to pull in a, a contested ball on an onside kick? He just sits there and watches it. You know, if he, if he takes two steps forward, he could jump up and grab it. He's going to get hit. Yes. Uh, but that's kind of what you sign up for in those situations. Instead, right. you know, tries to field it on the hop. It's a perfect hop, goes up in the air, Arizona recovers. And, you know, worse yet, you know, they're burning all this time off the clock as they're trying to get a touchdown. And then with like 20 seconds left, they're like, all right, we'll kick the field goal now. And they kicked it on second down. So even if they missed it, it's like, all right, well, you got, you got some other, uh, or even if something goes awry here, uh, you know, you're going to have another opportunity. Um, so at that point we kind of knew we were sunk. I was just holding out hope that they would go for the touchdown and not get right. it. Uh, but really if you, you know, if you can't recover an onside kick in that situation, you're not going to cover. So I guess that's what we signed up for. I, I need to be better, Jeff, at, at scouting, you know, who's out there in onside kick scenarios before we take that team in circa. That's right. Yeah. I mean, come on. How did you not know that? But known. I'll say kudos to Gannon for getting the, like the, the the, str- the strategy right you take yeah. the early field goal that's what you do that's what you're supposed to do they want they messed up once they ran one play right and they should have just downed it right there and taken the field goal but it didn't really matter if you don't and let's face it you're you're counting on recovering two onside kicks i mean right. you got one of them at least but and a hell of a kick at that uh that 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 never works in the nfl you never see this uh no. that uh, to get recovered by the kicking team but you know hey uh Arizona again, always fighting, always playing hard, yeah, always shorthanded, always like not. They just don't have the horses. I think they had the original seven nothing lead in this game too. But then it, you know Baltimore's skill went out. This was the Gus Edwards game, nineteen yeah. for eighty three touchdowns. Sure is a good thing I went on another podcast and talked about Justice Hill as a sneaky guy this week. But uh, he did get four for forty in the passing game at least. But still, yeah, yeah. be out there. Yeah, it's a good day Edwards for Mark game. Andrews, too. Four for 40 and a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, but really, it was Edwards. I mean, three touchdowns. Uh, not a great day fantasy-wise for Lamar. No. And, you know, you, you see the final score here. I mean, this was this was a 14-7 to seven game, basically going into the fourth quarter uh, with a, a little under two minutes left in the third. Josh Dobbs yeah. threw a really bad pick, and that's that's what allowed Baltimore to take control. But it was it was in the balance before that. I mean, Arizona played three pretty good quarters. Yeah, that's right. Um this is a look ahead game for Baltimore though, too. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, they had the, they've got that big game against Seattle next week that we alluded to. Uh, they, they just came off of a triumphant win over the lions, go out on the road, go to Arizona. It's a vacation, right? Uh, yeah. the Cowboys fell prey to that earlier. Um, so you get it why they wouldn't have their best game. It, it was a look ahead kind of week. Uh, our next game, chiefs, chiefs and Broncos. We even talked about this possibility on the Sirius XM show that it could be a look-ahead week for the Chiefs. And sure enough, it totally was a look-ahead week for the Chiefs. Yeah, the streak is over. I believe it was 16 in a row straight-up wins for the Chiefs in the series. Uh, just a, a comedy of errors by, by Kansas City. I mean, this was this was a truly a kind of shoot-yourself-in-the-foot type of game yeah. for the Chiefs. You know, struggled on third downs. They had drops. Sky Moore, you know, his stock feels like it's hit uh, an all-time low. 
uh, you know, Mahomes threw two picks, like just never really looked comfortable. We got the report. You know, there's there's a report late Saturday night that there's going to be like two feet of snow for mm-hmm. this game. So like whenever you get that, you're like, oh boy, some weird's going to happen. And it turned out the snow was not a factor at all. I mean, it, it had stopped snowing before the game. They had heating coils on the field. Like there was no real effects there. Um, but then we get the report that Patrick Mahomes is ill and yep. is not going to be feeling like himself. And that certainly showed through. Um, but yeah, Kansas City, I mean, lost three fumbles through two picks. You know, when you turn it over five times, I don't care who you're playing. You're, you're going to have a pretty tough time winning that game. Uh, but but it was still a little bit strange, I, I thought, to to see how many opportunities the Chiefs had to to go ahead in the second half. And even even when they went down two scores, you know, they, they still had two more real drives uh, where you're thinking, all right, this is what Kansas City does. You know, whenever they're in these these bad situations, they're backed against the wall. Mahomes always finds a way. And they, they just didn't. It was it was stunning. You know, they, they failed to convert a fourth and short. That was the, the deep ball to Sky Moore in the end zone. Uh, that ended the drive. And then, you know, Mahomes throws a pick on the next one uh, on a deep ball intended for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So, you know, we, we, we did talk last week, too, about, all right, you, know, you look at some of the defensive numbers for the Broncos the last couple of weeks. They, they held the Chiefs under wraps a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they, they look good against Green Bay. I, I think they're making progress. We, we have nothing else to, to say about this. I mean, the, the defense was so, so bad early on. I, I still think it's a bad defense, uh, but for whatever reason, you know, they've, they've been able to slow down Kansas city now twice in three weeks. Yeah. Created five turnovers by the chiefs. Five. That's crazy. Three yeah. fumbles and two picks. Um, Russ did cough up a fumble uh, and got sacked uh, six times, I think, but still, you know, Denver should be five and three. If you think about it, they had the Raiders beat in week one. They had the commanders beat in week two. Uh, yeah, they had the Dolphins right where they wanted them in week three. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it only goes so far, but still they're three and five and they're on the bye this week. You know, mm-hmm. they've been like, if the, if not storyline, a storyline B in regards to the trade deadline, is it a tough sell to, to sell off at this point in time? Do they trade Judy or Sutton? Or do they just hold, they hold steady. I, I think they, I, if they, if they're smart, I think they'll see what they can get for those guys. Maybe you don't sell them unless you're getting the price that you want. I don't think you have to sell here, but I don't, I mean, they're still last in their own division, right? I mean, I, I think, you know, you feel a little bit better about the direction the chargers are headed. We'll, we'll talk about them in a second. And I, I think the AFC right now, like the, the NFC playoff picture, like if Denver was in the NFC, then sure. You could try to talk yourself into getting that seven seed, but I just don't think that's happening in the AFC. I mean, you got, Miami, Buffalo, the Jets, Baltimore. I mean, the entire AFC North plus Jacksonville, plus Houston, plus KC and LA. Like, I just don't really think there's a viable path uh, to Denver pushing for a playoff spot, which if your goal is to just be respectable and try to win seven games, I I don't know. I mean, if if that's what Sean Payton wants to do, then yeah, maybe you don't sell, but uh, I I still am not really convinced that this is a team heading in the right direction. Uh, I will say, by the way, uh, comparing Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, 16 touchdowns, four picks. Patrick Mahomes, 15 touchdowns, eight picks on the year. Russell Wilson, vastly better QB rating. Uh, QBR favors Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's saying that Patrick Mahomes is a worse quarterback uh, than than Russell Wilson, obviously. Uh, But statistically, this has been a a very strange year for Mahomes. It feels like we've already seen like three or four interceptions that you just almost never see from him. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah. And then remember, there was a Kadarius Tony game in week one, too. Uh, It's a special touch there, too, where interception uh when it was really just a you know cough up six by uh tony there one of the worst individual wide receiver games of all time uh but yeah uh gonna be really interesting to see what happens what with both these teams do the chiefs go out and get a better receiver i mean that that's the other question they should i I think they should i mean rasheed rice continues to look good to me he did have one bad drop in this game but other than that he's been fantastic 
Um, you know, Travis Kelsey down week for him, but they, they need help. They need help. Yeah. I mean, it, to, to me, it felt like Justin Watson was their third option in this game. And that's, that's not a good thing. Uh, it's not the first time goal. yet this year too. Right. Well, when they brought in McCole Hardman a couple weeks ago, he had a, an ultra costly fumble on a, on a punt return. Uh, that really was kind of the final nail in the coffin that allowed Denver to go up two scores. Um, I mean, Russell Wilson was completed 12 passes for 114 yards in this game and, <laughs> and they won by two scores. I mean, that is, that is crazy. I mean, that, that, that just kind of speaks to how badly Kansas city played and how many mistakes they made. Uh, last thing I'll say about this, and then we can finish out with Sunday night football, Javante Williams, you know, back to being pretty clearly the guy this yeah. week, 27 for 85. We saw four carries for Jaleel McLaughlin. I still think he looks awesome. Like every time he touches the ball, it feels like it's a positive, yeah. uh, but we didn't have a lot of touches this week. Uh, and then Samaji P Ryan, you know, was mixed in there a little bit, mostly on passing downs, but it, it feels like it's back to being Javante Williams backfield. Bengals should offer a seventh round pick to the Broncos for Samaj P. Ryan given with Chase Brown on IR. They need a backup yeah. running back. He knows the system. Um, I think that would be a good match. And I mean, he's an afterthought now for the Broncos. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that would be that I'm going to spitball that. Okay. Maybe a six rounder. I don't know what running back, you know, I'm a bad fake trade person because I, I never know exactly what the values are. Um, Chargers bears. Let's finish off with that. I was one of 51% of the people in the uh, remaining in the circus survivor contest on the chargers eating all the chalk yet again. Um, fortunately I didn't have to sweat this one. This was pretty much in the bag. Uh, that late that late touchdown before halftime just finished it. It was lovely. It was nice. I didn't have to sweat the game. Yep. Yeah. I was, I was kind of splitting my time between this game and, and some NBA last night. So it was good to, to be able to you know, kind of keep a cursory eye on this one. Once it was 24 to seven mm-hmm. at the half, uh, really nice bounce back game for the chargers. Not, not a lot to say here. Uh, you know, we, I think we knew Chicago was probably a little bit uh, overvalued, although that was not really the case on the spread, which I think was eight and a half um, felt like kind of a big number. You know, we, we talked a lot last week about, man, do you trust the chargers with that kind of number against anybody? And the answer is when it's the bears. Yes, you, you still should. Uh, this was probably Justin Herbert's best game of the year, maybe since week one against Miami, at least yeah. his best game in the last three or four weeks, uh, kind of a, a reassertion game for him uh, that he is, in fact, one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. Chargers still struggling to run the ball. That was the the one negative yeah, no. here. You know, Austin Eckler, 15 for 29. Josh Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, those guys didn't really have any more success. Uh, but Austin Eckler, seven for 94 and a touchdown through the air. Pretty good night for Keenan Allen. We saw more Quentin Johnston as well. He went five for 50. That was his most impactful game of the season. And on the Chicago side, I mean, this this got away from them early. You know, they couldn't really ride the running game in the way that they probably wanted to. Don't necessarily want Tyson Bajan throwing the ball 37 times. No. That resulted in a couple of picks. I mean, he, he wasn't a total disaster. Like, I, I, I think he kind of passes the eye test to me. Like, he doesn't, you know, like, when you watch, like, Nathan Peterman, you, you can just tell her, like, this guy, he doesn't belong out here. Like, Bajan, Bajan looks the part, uh, but he's just, you know, he's ultimately pretty limited and uh, you know, the, the bears were never really in this game. Like once it was 14, nothing, it felt like it was over. Yep. A lot of other fantasy wasted touchdowns in this game. We saw Tyson Bajant run one in. We saw Darrington Evans run one in, we, you know, uh, for get a touchdown uh, Parham. Maybe some people started him. He was four for 43 Everett didn't know Everett. So I guess that, that he was startable, uh, but like much like the Browns were frustrating in the running game. The bears were too. Nine carries for Foreman, six for Johnson, four for Evans, and Evans getting the score. The one guy that nobody started. Yep. Yep. Roshan Johnson won the snap battle 24-21 over Foreman. Evans with 18. Yeah. Wouldn't read too much into it just because this game was so out of hand, and I don't think you can really you know take a whole lot away from that second half, especially. Uh, and then one more note on Quinn Johnston. Second in snaps among wide receivers. Did out-snap Josh Palmer by one. Uh, there was Palmer a lot, a lot of free. Right? 
What's, what'd you say? And Palmer got hurt early in this one too. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he came back, but I know he left the yeah. game for a while. So. Yeah. Yeah. Came back in. I mean, he, he was getting his knee looked at and it actually looked like it might be more severe at first, but was able to come back in, played 47 snaps. Uh, so that was maybe a little bit of part of it for, for Quinn Johnson, but nonetheless, moving in the right direction, six targets. You know, you'll take that based on what we've seen so far. Absolutely. And, and, and the, the chargers have to get Johnston involved, right? Spent a first round pick on him. Um, he's, he's got an upside there that others don't have. And with no Mike Williams, they need that downfield threat. So they need him at some point to be, to provide something. Yep. So, mm-hmm. um, happy to be done yeah. using it. The and they were without Gerald Everett as well. So I, I think that yeah. contributed too. Yeah. Very happy to be done with the chargers though. And survivor don't have to touch them anymore. Oh, that, that yeah. you're there. You're Get that out of the way. Yeah, exactly. I'm okay eating the chalk when it works out like that. Uh, so anything else you want to add? Any other late breaking trades while we were talking? Not that I've seen, not right. that I've seen. Hopefully we get more. Uh, you know, if, if you're just tuning in, it was Leonard Williams going from uh, New York to Seattle second and a fifth round pick being exchanged there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I fully expect to have my hopes, you know, burst by, by this time tomorrow. Uh, but you know, should be a lot of fun and, I'm just hoping the Jags do something here. It feels like they have an opportunity going into the bye, and um, you know whether that's adding somebody on on the offensive line or, or on the defensive line. Um, that's that's what I'll be watching most closely, and uh, looking forward to chatting with you. In a few hours from now, we'll be live on SiriusXM Fantasy, breaking down Raiders Lions. Yes, and maybe we'll have more uh, more more chatter to uh, cover as well. So look forward to that as well. So eight to ten Eastern time, five to seven West Coast time. Um, so. Seven to nine Wisconsin time there. Uh, hope everybody tunes in for that. Thanks for tuning in to this tomorrow coming up on uh, the road to wire fantasy football podcast. Of course it's Joe and Jake it's trade deadline day. Uh, so they'll have a lot of free agent ideas for you and maybe some trades to react to as well. So tune into that. Thanks to Circa and splash for their sponsorship. Thank you guys for tuning in on the live stream. Take care.